Does my audio sound good? We good? Yeah, your audio sounds awesome, man. That's you know, that's a kickoff statement for our live broadcast from playing to win tonight, man. <laughs> What's up, Jay? How you doing, brother? Richard, man, it's an honor and a privilege uh, to be here, and uh, I'm very excited to share my story, and I appreciate the opportunity, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, carving out some time. It's always it's always fun. You know, last time I saw you in uh, person, I was I was in L.A. in uh, September with my daughter doing a daddy daughter kind of retreat, and we you know we connected, and there were some little ears at the table, so we didn't talk about too much of the stuff that we're going to get into tonight. That's true. Um, but um, yeah, like I really want to dive down this rabbit hole of like the plane to win story of Jay Campbell because you're like around the same age as me. You're just a little bit older, even though you look a lot younger. Damn you. But, um, <laughs> I don't know about that. bro. <laughs> but I mean, like your whole story about a lot of the obstacles and um, roadblocks that kind of dropped in your way actually became the way for you. You know, the whole notion of this uh, series that I'm doing on my channel, Playing to Win, is really there's there's two ways guys can play in life. You know, we can play to win or we can play not to lose. And to clarify, I'm a big advocate of guys, especially in their younger years, 20s and 30s, uh, aiming to play to win in their lives, like taking bigger risks because the ROI and the payoff will be exceptionally higher. There's going to be a number of times that it's just not going to work out too. But there's also the playing not to lose component, which at some point in your life, you're going to pivot when you've mm -hmm. done really well, you've taken the risks, you've, you know, you've hundred X, whatever it was that you're doing, and you need to kind of pay, play a little bit more defensively, but you sure. still have maybe like a five X return, um, which is still pretty, pretty decent. But I want to kind of, I don't know, like, where do you want to start this story, man? Because like, you've got, you've got quite an interesting thing going on. I mean, like I met you, like I was introduced to you um as an optimization guy when i was first looking at testosterone replacement therapy um i don't know how your name came up but it was like yeah you need to talk to this guy um and then we connected we did a few broadcasts we did some private pro you know broadcasts for my community and i've always known you as like the testosterone optimization guy but you're a lot more than that like you're an entrepreneur you've done a lot of you've done a lot of like interesting and strange things in some cases too. <laughs> Emphasis on strange for sure. Yeah. And I mean, like you're a bit of a biohacker too, right? I mean, like in a 100%. sense, it's a lot different from, I mean, I see guys like Ben Greenfield doing stem cell injections in his dick sort of thing. Right. And yep. you know, you like, you kind of lean into like an era, like a decade and a half, a little bit ahead of him for like yeah. the more, I'm not going to say older guy. I'm going to say more seasoned guy. No, right? for sure. I am the older guy, though. Yeah, and that's an honor, man. I mean, Ben and I are friends. I know you guys are friends, too, um, and I appreciate that. In fact, actually, I have a big shout-out uh, in Ben's book coming because his uh, PR company just let me know. He, so his, his book coming, by the way, Boundless, mm -hmm. I've read the intro and um, you know, kind of a little bit of the first chapter, which is what they're giving out to his uh, friends and insiders and whatnot. It is absolutely amazing. This book that's is awesome. This book is epic, dude. Yeah, he's um, yeah, that'll be a good read. So I'll definitely grab that one. But um, yeah, so what's the Batman origin story of Jay Campbell? Like, you were the oldest of nine kids growing up in a highly religious home, from what I gathered. Yeah, dude, totally. Yeah, let's kick it off from there. Yeah, sure. Extremely um, Roman Catholic. My mom and dad uh, were, you know, they came from. My dad came from like Appalachian Mountain trash truthfully you know we, we call him appalachian hard scrabble he was the first in his family to go to college his dad was like a seventh grade you know sixth or seventh grade education he was a sales guy and his mom was like a ruthless homemaker and um he was very very um how would i say it uh you know he was a go-getter and as when he went to high school and stuff like that he was like a three-star you know three sports star and he was also the valedictorian of his high school class so he was like you know a guy who took care of business 
Uh, he met my wife. My mom was a beautiful woman who went to the University of Kentucky. She dropped out. Uh, they're, they're from Northern Kentucky, by the way, Cincinnati area. And they started having kids, man. And my mom actually gave birth to one before me. And his name was Christopher J. And he died essentially of SIDS or it's stillborn or whatever you want to call it. And they named me after him. And then she ended up having, damn dude, nine more, eight more kids, six boys and three girls. So what's that like being the oldest of like that many children? Like oh, I don't dude, know too many guys insane. that have that many uh siblings like i got i know pat campbell uh i think he's like one of 11 or something like that it's a ton yeah pat and i know each other we're probably we're probably related somewhere but uh dude it was crazy i mean you know um there was never a dull moment you know you're 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 with so it was three of us in a row back to back all year apart and then my mom and dad took two year break and then they have my sister and then two more brothers back to back and then, oh, I'm sorry, a sister and then a two-year break and then three more boys in a row. And then they took a little bit more of a break and had two more daughters. But I mean, bro, I mean, until I was 18 years old, I was changing diapers, doing clothes, you know, loads of wash, making food for my brothers and sisters, my siblings. Um, it was a very interesting. You were like um, the household assistant, right? Like that's usually yeah, and my dad, the oldest was such a large family too. Exactly, brother. And my dad was ascending the corporate ladder. I mean, he had nine mouths to feed, right? So he was traveling and really not around. And I tell people, and this is, you know, at the time I couldn't stand my parents for this, but, you know, I love them now and respect them for who they are and what they did. It's truly amazing accomplishment. But um, I was in five high schools in five states in four years, right? So I was the new guy literally every single year. So I was leaving girlfriends, friends, athletic, um, you know, competitors and peers behind. And so I started in New York, went to Pennsylvania, from Pennsylvania, went to Ohio, from Ohio, went to Georgia. And then before my senior year was over, my dad actually moved again to Clearwater, Florida. And again, he was ascending the corporate ladder in the businesses that he was in, which was kind of newspaper media marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was, a, it was, it was a, you know, at the time it was a difficult high school and childhood and stuff like that, but it truly prepared me to be the person that I became and ultimately even was because I was able to build relationships with people easily. Right. It was like, it was do or die everywhere I went. You said um, in some of your notes to me that your that your household was like highly religious. Like, what was that like growing up? Because I remember in my household, like my my, my dad kind of leaned into this Jehovah's Witness thing for about three or four years, which created a, a ton of conflict between my parents because my mom's sure. side of the family was like Greek Orthodox, right? Right. And and then they just kind of both gave up on it because it was just too much to deal with. Uh, <laughs> and then they both like leaned back into religion in the later years. It seems like that's what most people tend to do when they're kind of trying to reconcile you know the autumn years of their lives sort of thing but what was that like for you because i mean you're not that religious today you're more spiritual you're kind of like a woo and Total i'm not woo. saying this to no, be no, disparaging or to make funny but you're more of like a woo woo kind of like crystal guy yes right? exactly totally but not in a not in a psychopath way that's yeah no 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 you know you're exactly right it's well said you know so roman catholic you know people would ask my dad when he was when we were growing up he's you know, mr campbell you have nine kids are you rich and he would say yeah i'm rich in kids mm. <laughs> so but uh yeah just like uh you know every sunday my parents weren't like making us go to church every day but i mean you know i went to catholic school uh up until i was a sophomore in high school so yeah i was in mass every day dude literally yeah, you know yeah. confession you know, first communion, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I, I, I've suppressed all that stuff. I have a very funny story from my like my last year of ninth grade when I was in uh, uh, Utica, New York, upstate New York. I was at um, Notre Dame High School 
And one of my professors was a, our professor's teachers was a priest. He was an Anglican priest and uh, he spoke Latin. And I was in a class of Latin. Remember the days of being in Latin, Richard? We can didn't you do imagine? Latin in uh, Canada. We did French. <laughs> but can you imagine the kids of today if they actually had to go to Latin class? I mean, give me a break. But uh, I just remember him telling me a story. <clears throat> and this is when I really turned my back on organized religion. But he said that he was seeking <clears throat> everything and he climbed to the top of a pyramid. He was in this group with a bunch of people as a, as a priest. And he, when he got to the top, he was expecting to see the light, right? Divine salvation. And he finds mm -hmm. Bedouin selling Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, uh, he, I remember him telling me the story, like everyone in the classroom, this is the story he told. And that was when I was like, okay, organized religion and me are not going to get along. Yeah. Yeah. I had a hard time with that too. I mean, uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, talk to me about like the formative years after school. Cause I mean, you got into basketball, like you're a big guy. I mean, you can't tell by the video, but you're at least as tall as I am. And you're yep. like built like a brick shit house and you're ripped too. Um, but like, like how did you get into athletics and talk about kind of like the transition from there? Sure, man. So I was always a really competitive athlete. Uh, my dad was actually, again, a road scholar. So it was like a lot to look up to uh, live up to. Um, so I played basketball and baseball in high school and truthfully, I was really, really, really good in basketball, but because back then they didn't have like the recruiting budgets and the video and all this tough that tech they have today, um, as I kept moving, I would fall behind from a recruiting standpoint. So I was offered, or at the time when I was a junior in Ohio, I was offered a bunch of schools, probably division one, I, I would have ended up going, but then I had to move for my senior year again. And I ended up, thankfully, I did get a scholarship um, to play Division II at a school called Georgia Southwestern in America's Georgia. Uh, they were a college then. They're now a university in Georgia. Uh, and I did play. You know, I played uh, for three years, and my ankles just broke down, and uh, that stopped playing. And then, you know, I graduated from college in 1993, um, and I moved out to Southern California, and I stopped playing, really, dude, for a while just because I was burned. And uh, then I started picking it up again, playing. About four years later, I started playing a really competitive adult men's leagues. I was probably like 26 or 27. And uh, that kind of led me to the origin story of like, you know, who I, how I became like the TRT testosterone optimization guy because I got kicked in the testicles um, playing in a really competitive league. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize it. I, I had no idea what was going on. But like three or four weeks later, I started to break down got really tired. It was achy. My lower back was bothering me. It was really bad. And so I was lucky, dude. I went to a PPO doctor. Uh, this was when I was 29 years old, by the way. And uh, he referred me to an endocrinologist. Guy ended up being a Harvard educated or Harvard trained and educated endocrinologist, Dr. Raymond Scruggs, who worked at the New Help uh, Health Institute out here in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, he said to me, he ran tests. And he's like, dude, you got the testosterone of a geriatric and he's like, look, you know, I, I work with guys on this all the time. And again, remember, this is back in 1999. There were very few physicians. Again, I was in the right place at the right time, but there's no coincidences, right? Because look what ended up happening from this. But uh, he said, look, I can put you on a very low dose of therapeutic testosterone, get you back to normal. You'll be, you know, right as rain within, you know, eight to 10 weeks. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And then he was like, okay, well, I'm going to take you off. I'm like, no, you're not taking me off, bro. Did they, did they try anything like Clomid or HCG to no. start up your system again? Or No, this guy was so smart. I mean, he knew everything. I mean, he you know basically gave me HCG along with it because he knew that I didn't have kids and that I wanted to maintain fertility. But he was just like, nope, very low dose of therapeutic tasks. I think it was like 100 milligrams of sipinate mm -hmm. and uh, you know HCG three shots. So every other day, very low dose of that too. So he was a brilliant doc. Um, and, you know, I worked with him for a couple of years. He ended up moving his office. He went down further down to Orange County and 
um, you know, I ended up moving to a closer dock where I was and, you know, I worked, God, I don't know how many docks I've working with. I don't even think about counting backup, but over the years, but you know, then in the corporate world where I was at that time, which I was in the automotive digital marketing space, people would just come up to me and they'd see in the shape I was in and they'd always be like, dude, how do you stay in that type of condition? And I was very, you know, no filter Jay Campbell, always telling the truth. Like, look, I use therapeutic testosterone. So mm-hmm. it, you'd always get one or two, right? You get the one guy be like, what the fuck, bro? You're on steroids, bro. Or you get the people (laughs) like you, right? Or smart people, sophisticated, who'd be like, interesting, tell me more. And so I would always, you know, have those type of people and I would tell them more. And, you know, eventually, obviously, Mike, you you know, this Mike Cernovich and I were really good friends. And he was like, dude, you got to write a book about this. He's like, you know more about this than anyone, including doctors. And so at this point, because it was 29 when you took the shot. Yeah, so I would say. I would say when Mike said that to me, I was around 30, somewhere between 38 and 40, you know, and honestly, the book, as you know, didn't come out till 2015. So there are a lot of things that kind of got in the way of that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been very open about my story. When I first wrote the first white paper, I sent it to Rick Collins, you know, who's probably the world's leading attorney now on all that stuff. And I also sent it to Nelson Virgil. I sent it to Bill Llewellyn and it was one of the guys I sent it to. And actually so funny now, Bill Llewellyn's one of my business partners, but, um, you know, they all saw it and they were all basically like, well, not Nelson, that's a later story, but, uh, but, but, um, you know, Rick Collins, Rick Collins is an amazing person, by the way. I love Rick. Shout out to Rick, but he didn't know me from Adam. He read it. He was like, dude, your book is sensational. He's like, but I can't guarantee you any kind of indemnification from liability as a non-medical person writing a book about, you know, therapeutic testosterone. You don't have a medical license. So it takes one person, as he would say, one Senator, and you're going to be paying me $250,000, right, to stay out of jail. So I was like, oh, I'm shelving it. You know, mm. at that time, I was, you know, with my current wife, um, Monica Diaz. Monica Campbell, actually, is her real name. And now, since officially, it'll be in a couple of days. But, uh, well, I was like, no, I'm not going to touch it, dude. I don't want any of that heat. We have a successful real estate business and brand. Don't going to touch it. And then, you know, fast forward about three months, Nelson Virgil finally read it. And he was in Venezuela at the time when I sent him the book. And he was, he literally emailed me in the middle of the night. He's like, I don't know who you are, but we got to talk. And uh, so I, you know, talked to him and he's like, look, man, I'm on panels. I told him what Rick said. And he said, look, I'm on panels with the FDA and the DEA. He's like, your book is sensational. Men have to read this book and don't worry about, you know, Rick, he's just being a good attorney. That's what they do. But you need to put this book into uh, the world. Now, that's a great example of the title of this series, right? Because we're talking about playing to win versus playing not to lose. Lawyers and accountants, in my experience in business and in life, will always give you advice that will lead to you playing not to lose. Exactly. Right? You might get a small return on the advice that they get. They usually keep you safe. They cross your T's and dot the I's. Right. Because, I mean, their ass is on the line, right? Like, they got a duty to kind of protect your best interest when you hire them to do work for you. The advice you got from Nelson was play to win. Exactly. which is what you did. And that and and it's those risks that you take as a guy in today's world that will leapfrog you into a new a new level, a new category of um something. You know, there's always there's always doors that you that you come up upon that you don't even know that are there until you start playing to win. And then you kind of like walk up to something you're like, "Oh, let me open this one and see what's in it." And you'll walk through it and you kind of, you know, create this new path for yourself, which what's which is kind of what turned you into this new version of the optimization guy, right? Yeah, no, 100%. And uh yeah, thank God for Nelson because nothing, you know, none of that not, the book wouldn't have gone through, right? And then obviously subsequently that book came out in November of 2015. Um and Mike what and I were guy, What is that guy doing right now by the way? Nelson 
Oh, you know, he's, he's, yeah, he's great. I mean, he's got a big forum that he runs. It's uh, Excel mail and he also owns uh, discountedlabs.com. So he's, you know, he's an awesome dude. Um, he does some consulting, I'm sure for other people and stuff like that. But uh, he was a very powerful mentor to me at the time that I really needed it. Uh, and him and I have, you know, kind of gone our separate paths. I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. I can reach out to him if I needed to, but he's a great person. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I never, ever speak. I hey, saw a couple of his videos that encouraged me to start using uh testosterone and, and hcg in the same pin yeah like i got tired of, of doing so many frequent sure. pins i just kind of followed that protocol for a bit and that worked really well as well so i'm just curious about what he was up to no well listen nelson is a pioneer i mean you know, let me throw a shout out to him i mean this is a man who literally was you know again as i always say stepping on the shoulders of giants but i mean this was a man who used therapeutic testosterone to survive right like he wrote his book with michael mooney back in the 90s and that was one of the first books that I read to learn about this, right? Because when I first started using therapeutic testosterone, there was nothing. Russian and Bulgarian training manuals, right? But like, unless you could read Russian or translate mm-hmm. Bulgarian, you weren't going to get much. There was nothing on PubMed or Medline. What like, about uh, Dan Duchesne? What did he write? The so Underground Steroid Handbook. So yeah, yeah I, that one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I read that book, of course. I mean, I read pretty much I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a prolific reader. You know, I've got a bookcase over here against a wall that has over 800 books in it. But I I mean, I just tore through anything that had anything to do with utilizing therapeutic testosterone, anything around the realms of performance enhancement or, you know, improvement. Because of what I felt in my first six to eight months using testosterone, I was like, well, wait a minute. If people could do this, what about other stuff? You know, so that's when I really and this is in the early part of my 30s. This is on my first wife. Uh, to lead into where the story we're going to get to, to my second wife, who I have my two beautiful daughters with before I met, you know, the greatest thing that ever happened to me, which is Monica. Uh, but it was in my, you know, you know, in my literally in my thirties, when I first started using therapeutic testosterone, like you said, I was one of the world's probably first biohackers, mm. you know, no BS. In fact, the medical conference that I just came back from um, AMMG over the weekend, I, I met a doctor who kind of walked up to me. He's like, yeah, bro. He's like, it's just Dave Asprey, Ben Greenfield and you, man. Mm. And I was kind of like, wow, I felt really distinguished to be putting in that company. But I mean, there's other people that I owe, you know, shout outs to, um, and I'm happy to you know mention their names, but dude, I was very studious of this. I read so much research. I mean, as you know, both of my books, right. The manual and the Bible, I mean, every single conceivable piece of peer reviewed data is in that books regarding the therapeutic benefits of using testosterone. I mean, I left nothing out because I knew that I would be attacked and assailed as a non, you know, licensed, you know, medical professional to be writing books like that. Yeah. Um, here, I'm going to drop it in the chat. Cause I see you guys like, we're going to try to cover as much as possible tonight, but I mean, I mean, we got 90 minutes scheduled for this, so we got plenty of time and hopefully we'll have some, some time towards the end to take some questions, but I got a link there that I'm going to post for Jay's, uh, books on testosterone replacement therapy and, uh, peptides. We'll talk about peptides more in a bit and intermittent fasting, but you can check out all that stuff over there. We'll get into more details there. I want to, I want to go back to the story about the divorce. Cause you had a first sure. marriage that like went completely sideways. Like you had a kidnapping issue and all this <laughs> stuff. And there was, um, you mentioned something about, you know, like an attempted suicide yeah, moment absolutely. for you as well. Yeah. So, um, so where do I start? So, so actually she was my second marriage. So my first marriage and, and Richard, there's no coincidence in life. This is so amazing. Uh, my first marriage is, was to a woman uh, by the name of Kelly Hinesley. She's an amazing person. I actually have spoken to her on the phone the last two days, mm-hmm. and we were literally divorced in 2002. It's just a funny coincidence. We own a, we still own a property in Big Bear, you know, the vacation resort area of California together. 
Um, and we had another person through a, it's a long story, but anyway, I've never talked to her and her and I have communicated the last two days, but so she was my first wife. Uh, and we were married for not even a year and a half. And then I met my ex who again, gave me my daughters. And truthfully, when we met, everything was great, man. Um, we didn't have children, obviously. And, uh, I was very successful. I worked as, uh, you know, real estate but, time or? I wasn't in real estate. I was, uh, I was in digital automotive. Um, okay. so I worked for Kelly blue book and I rose up the ladder. I was one of four guys that built the dealer sales division at KBB from zero to literally like, I mean, massive amount of recurring revenue a month. I don't want to quote, but somewhere between 20 and 30 million in three years. So, you know, because we built it and we had like kind of an open-ended um, compensation plan then, and my boss was a really cool guy, Joe Vernez, a shout out to Joe. Um, we, we were making a lot of money and first four or five years of making all that money, my ex and I had a, you know, quote unquote, good relationship. Now, looking back where I am, where I am spiritually and consciously now, I mean, I was not a good person, Richard. You know, I was, as you said before, and I've said to you before, I was essentially, fuck you, pay me. I was very ego driven. I was all about the money. I was all about, you know, getting the big, best deal, the highest gross, you know, taking advantage of people. As we used to say in the digital automotive space, we'd say ripping people's heads off. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, what that's the, what I did. What is it? What does the digital automotive space entail? I'm not sure that I'm clear on that. Yeah, sure. So, just yeah, just, yeah, for sure. I know you're a car guy. Um, just basically being on the marketing side in the car business. So in the retail side and, you know, I, I, I built a lot of relationships actually in the OEM side of the world too. But, uh, okay. you know, we built the dealer segment or dealer sales division for Kelly Blue Book, right one digital, you know, automotive blew up, right? So you had, you had KBB.com and then you had Auto Trader after it. And then you had, of course, Edmonds. And mm -hmm. so like, those were the three biggest automotive sites. So like, that's kind of the space and the stomping ground that I ran in. And, mm -hmm. you know, I met through that, through that relationship, I met pretty much anyone who was influential on the, um, you know, the dealer side in the United States and really all over, even in Canada and the United and Mexico too. Mm, okay. So, so uh -oh. Marriage starts to go sideways. What happened? The money yeah, so, dried up. So yeah, so exactly. So um, so fast forward. We're married. We have our first two children, or only two children. And uh, my first child was born when I was thirty-seven, and my second daughter. So Alexandra is my first daughter. You met Gabrielle and my second daughter. They're now mm -hmm. twelve and ten, or be, they'll be twelve and ten. They're almost twelve and ten. They're eleven and nine, but they're almost twelve and ten. Yeah. And um, yeah, the recession hit right two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, I was still actually doing really, really well um, with Kelly Blue Book, even during the first year and a half of the recession. But then in 2010, me and my uh, boss and another guy, um, they basically, they let us go. And, and we didn't have any idea why they let us go. But then a week later, they announced the sale of the company to AutoTrader, right? So it was one of those typical strategic corporate assassinations where you owe a guy a bunch of money in stock and you owe a guy salary and bonus and all that. And you're just like, you know, cutting and shedding um, salary. So that was in 2010. I literally, my daughter was just born. She was like three weeks old. So it was a very shock to my system, but because I was, you know, very, very esteemed in my industry, I took another gig literally within two months. I took a month off, um, to be spend time with my daughter and stuff like that. But then, uh, I took another gig and then that gig wanted me to move. I was living in Southern California, still in Pasadena. They wanted me to move to Vegas. And this is in 2010, like in March. Mm -hmm. And um, remember in 2010, there was still, you know, very terrible economy, a lot of consolidation. I moved to Vegas. I sold my house. I moved my family to Las Vegas. And within a month of taking that job, that company got bought out. 
and they liquidated their entire sales force. So I had like a, I think I was like the Western, not Western. I think I was a national sales manager. I don't even remember. It's all blur. And so I went from having an amazing job with Kelly Blue Book for nine years and making a lot. Like I was making close to half a million dollars a year. Um, to having no job, you know, or losing two jobs in a matter of six months. And I'd already now moved my family to um, Las Vegas. And over the next year, year and a half, everything just went south, bro. Like you said, struggle with income. Thankfully, I had a ton of money saved up, but my ex was le- used to living a very, very expensive life and extravagantly and all those other things. And again, I wasn't as, I wasn't as frugal as I needed to be. We burned through money. And, you know, the next year and a half living in the way we lived in Vegas and we, you know, we lived in a really nice ritzy suburb um, in Red Rock Country Club, in a you know, nice gated community and everything went south and she had an affair. And I was, by the way, I just full disclosure, if anybody watches this um, previous to my first daughter or my second daughter being bored, uh, my ex and I did not have sex and I did cheat on her. And I came clean and I admitted it to her. We even went to counseling over it. And, you know, n- neither here nor there, both of us were at fault. And then after we went to counseling um, and the counselor said, you know, look, if you guys are going to save this, you guys got to both take some responsibility and stuff. So I went through all that, but my ex um, at the time really never forgave me. And subsequently then she, at the end of our marriage was, um, was having an affair with somebody very close to me, actually. Did she start... <laughs> Did she start banging this guy when the money dried up or as the money was drying up? Like, like what? Because, I mean, there's a soundbite which comes up often and it's uh, women don't care about the struggle. They hang out at the finish line and they're like a winner, <laughs> right? And I know that you're not deep into this space, but I mean, like, I see this happening so many times yeah. in conversations. It's like, you know, you move to Vegas, the money dries up, you know, stuff starts going sideways in the relationship. But like, uh, does that make any sense to you whatsoever like can you look back on it in hindsight and be like oh yeah now i see what happened sort of thing like is the hindsight 2020 for you there dude it's 100 percent. it makes sense i mean there's no question there's that there was that element mm. um because i mean at the end when all everything and i'll get to the story but um you know i was i back was back was to, it was it uh, steve from accounting or kevin from sales <laughs> <laughs> no it wasn't anybody from my job it was actually a guy um that trained with us uh, at the gym you know it was a bro oh so okay. uh, and honestly like i've forgiven him and we'll get to that you know this part of the show I've, i forgive everyone i don't live in you know with grudge or blame or judgment or any of that stuff but um um essentially i was doing better you know, at the time that it all happened, but again, it was a culmination of, you know, her not forgiving me for what happened and then her, you know, falling in love, so to speak with this next person and everything. But, you know, I'll just get to the story. I mean, this is, this is November of 2011. And again, still living in Vegas, really, really nice house, you know, giant house, essentially a palatial estate in, a, in Red Rock country club in Las Vegas. And I go away on a business trip to Chicago and I come back and um, knock at the door you know, Las Vegas Metro PD um, in the morning at like six o'clock in the morning, I'm sound asleep. And, you know, they come in and they say, are you Jay Campbell? I'm like, yeah, I'm Jay Campbell. And they're like, uh, Mr. Campbell, can we come in? I'm like, uh, what's going on? You know, it's one of those things. I'm fast forwarding mm-hmm. this story because there's a lot. And, uh, you know, they say, well, I don't think you understand the law of Nevada. And I'm like, uh, of course I understand the law of Nevada. What are you talking about? And um, then they say to me, well, you know, your wife at the time called us last night and said you beat her up and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you know, and, oh, this was a domestic violence charge? Yeah, exactly. 
So really, yeah. So then they came in and, you know, I'm like, what's going on? I mean, I'm out of it, dude. Like mm -hmm. I just been in Chicago the whole week and I see that my daughters are not in the bedroom. Their drawers are pulled out. Their clothes are gone. She's not there. And I, you know, I was used to waking up sometimes in the morning with her not being in the room. So it, nothing was out of the ordinary for me. And this is on a Saturday morning in Nevada. And again, I didn't know any of this. And, and again, her and her friend planned this whole thing because they knew the system and they knew the, they knew how it worked. But in Nevada, they have like a domestic violence or at the time. And again, this is back in 2011, they have like a cooling off penalty if you get arrested for domestic violence. And by the way, Nevada in the United States has the worst domestic violence laws and rules around domestic violence. So all it takes is a call, a charge, basically just an allegation and they take the person who is the biggest physical being mm -hmm. to jail, right? Yeah, so I'm not joking. Yeah, so I am not Honestly, joking. Jay, Jay, though, like it's it's pretty much that that way. Everywhere Almost everywhere now in right? North yeah. America. I have yeah. a friend that you know his wife cheated on him, right? And you know he's in a separation period. He got pissed off at one point, and he pointed his finger at her face, and he said, "Fuck you, you're a liar." And she didn't like that, so she called the cops, and they started to go through this whole DV yeah. you know situation. Yeah. It, ended up cooling off but it's but it's a huge risk for a lot of guys i mean guys have no idea that it's a tool in women's toolboxes and it, and if you're going through an acrimonious divorce or there's a conflict or right. she, or she's looking for an advantage one of the most advantageous things that women can do during right. a divorce is um allege domestic violence put I you mean, down yeah yeah i mean she cleans out the drawers takes it right is this when the kids got kidnapped yeah yeah so 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 basically this the story goes i go in on saturday morning and, you know, back to the the Vegas thing, they have a 72 hour cooling off deal in Vegas. Right. And then what does Saturday, that mean? Were you sitting in jail for 72 hours? Dude, I was in for five days. I was in, you know, I was in. So Saturday and Sunday, the court calendar doesn't count in Nevada. So you can't even call an attorney. So, so the, again, this was so very the cops show up at your house and then they haul you away in a patrol they literally car. Literally take me in. Yep. Absolutely. Hog tie me, put me in the back. Literally dude, they hog tie me, put me in the back. And they knew I was a, you know, a quote unquote, not a derelict, right? That's all yeah. I'll say. But, you know, and actually one of the cops I ended up becoming friends with later, because at that time of my life, I was actually still, I had just started competing in men's physique competitions. And he knew me from another guy that was a cop who was also a competitor. And so he was like, you're Jay Campbell, right? <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm Jay Campbell. And I was nobody. I was just like a local competitor. And he was like, man, he's like, I'm going to give you some, uh, go back and get your backpack and a change of clothes. Um, but you know, that, you know, so he gave me that leniency and they were very cool with me too. When they took me down to, um, processing in uh, Clark County detention center, which is by the way, if, if you're familiar with Clark County detention center, they have a reality television show about it. It's so bad. And so, and again, you know, take me from this like exclusive suburb in West Vegas, all the way downtown to Vegas, hog tie me, put me in. I expect like, I, I so first off I'm shell shocked, right? I have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I figure I'll get a call to my attorney. And then I find out, oh no, you're not getting a call to your attorney until Monday. You got, and then you got, you're going to have to be in jail until the cooling off thing's over. So dude, fast forward a very long story. Um, when I did call on Monday, I talked to my brother. I always say this, by the way, if this ever happens to you as a man, you better have a person that you can call in your life that will take the call no matter what, because Richard, I don't know if you know this, but in, Cal you know, in Cal not California, but in Nevada, um, it's, uh, you are getting a collect call from blank detention center, right? Which was Clark mm. County detention center. So if somebody is thinking that you're getting pranked to hang up, you're screwed. They don't answer. But, but, yeah. So thankfully so my brother, 
yeah, thankfully my brother and I have had that conversation before. And he answered, he's like, dude, I don't know what's going on. You get like literally 90 seconds. And I said, I don't know what's going on either. I said, get the best defense attorney in Las Vegas. I don't care what it costs. Just get him and blah, blah, blah. So what did it cost to clean up the DV charge? So dude, all said and done is four and a half years later, it cost me over 30 grand. Holy shit. But it wasn't just DV, bro. I was charged with four four third degree felonies. I was charged with kidnapping, all sorts of nonsense. I mean, you can't even imagine. I still have a folder, you yeah, know, in well, one of my drawers. Well, why wouldn't she throw everything she possibly could at you to get the advantage that she's looking for? Well, right? from what I, from what I, so in speaking to her since then, and again, I have no animosity towards her. Her and I are great. Um, I think they just make up charges because when you find out how brutal system is and how broken it is, they're just trying to you know slap things on you because the state can get restituted. That's the way it works. It's such a scam. But um, so there were so many absurd charges. Um, you know, I just remember getting on Wednesday night. It's a funny story. I'm chain gang to a bunch of like, you know, armed robbers. And by the way, I'm on the ninth floor of Clark County Detention Center, which is nothing but attempted murderers, murderers. And armed robbers, right? Because I'm considered a violence, a violent offender, domestic right. violence. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, but I'm only there for five days and it wasn't that bad other than the food was horrible. I met some amazing people there. I actually met a guy that, who was essentially a lifelong convict um, who I helped because it was, dude, this was before Thanksgiving. It was mm-hmm. the week before Thanksgiving. So when he got out, he got out, he got processed out the next day that I did too. And he called me. And I was like, dude, I'm taking you to Thanksgiving. We're going to meet anyway. It's so funny. I don't know what happened to the guy. I'm sure he went back in the system because that's what most people do. But I got out. Hold on a sec. Let me ask you a question. So it costs you about 30 grand to clean up the DV charge. Um, I've heard people say that if you're going through a divorce in a state where DV is a common uh, tool in her toolbox on the exit, you want to have about 40 to 50 grand set aside to deal yeah. with any kind of potential issue like this. Well, by if, the way, that was just my divorce. The money, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, that was just money. me paying the attorney. Yeah, you're screwed, dude. You're screwed. So you're sitting in the slammer until... So, until so, 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 dude, that is a great point, and I'm so glad you brought this up. This is must-listen to YouTube. So here's how this went down. I'm sitting there on a Wednesday at my arraignment. Okay, now remember, I've been in there since Saturday morning. And I'm in an orange jumpsuit. And like I said, I have a crip and a blood on each side of me. And, you know, they asked them to stand up and they, the judge writes the char- or the district attorney says the charge is out for me before they could announce them. All of a sudden I hear a, your honor uh, aside and it's my attorney and I don't know him from Adam, but he's just a little dude. He's an amazing guy, bald headed guy. His name's Jack Buchanan. And he walks up and he whispers in the district attorney's ear. And then the district attorney, you know, nods and goes up to the judge. And the judge then says, uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the case of Jay Campbell, you have been OR'd, right? Which means you've been released on your own recognizance. Now, here's the freaky thing. I was charged with all these crazy charges. And, and on, you know, because they give you the charges before you're, you know, before they're read to you. And you understand. Mm-hmm. And you're also understanding, like, what you're faced from a, um, a sentence. And, dude, I was sentenced potentially to life. I'm not kidding you. That's how much nonsense there was. So the fact that I was and, – and, and so I'm thinking in my, it's going to cost me 50 grand just to get bond based on all the charges added up. But, dude, that's how, how broken – and corrupt the whole system of jurisprudence is because Jack Buchanan, who is like one of the top defense attorneys in all of Las Vegas. And also Jack, if you hear this, man, I love you, man. Shout outs to you. We're good friends. Now they just have the ability to just whisper in the ear of the DA. And then the DA says, Oh, you know, this guy's a good person. He's not going to run. He's not a flight risk. And boom, you can just walk out. Now if, back to what you're saying. If I was a broke dude with no standing in society. Yeah, dude, I'm going to be in there a long time. 
So, That's how it works. Okay, so there's a false DV charge. You're in the slammer. She's emptied out the drawer. She's taking the <laughs> Emptied out the accounts, too. Yeah. Emptied out all the bank accounts. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, she planned this, obviously. For, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so. Um, Where did so she go? I'll get to that. So, I get out Wednesday night. And, and again, by the way, that was Wednesday. And Jack, after that, Jack then comes up and whispers in my ear as I'm chain gang. Seriously. And he's like, well, man. I'd ask to shake your hand, but you're a little bit indisposed right now. So he's literally making jokes with me. I'm like at rock bottom of my life, right? So mm -hmm. like, a part of me is like, I want to strangle this dude. But then the other part of me is like, dude, this guy is so confident. He must know what's up. But he then says to me, he goes, Jay, you will be out, processed, and free by tonight at 9 o'clock or sooner. And I will see you first thing Friday morning in my office at 9 a.m. Are we clear? And I was like, I'm, I mean, again, I'm like, this guy's nuts, right? Mm -hmm. Sure enough, that was probably like three, two thirty or two, two or two or thirty in the afternoon that day. I did. I got out that night, dude. The Clark County Detention Center in Las Vegas. You're in downtown Las Vegas. I shit you not. When they push you out, when you get out of processing, they push you into a dark alley. Literally, there's no lights. So it's at the back door. Yeah, it's the back door. So I'm like, I got my backpack and you know what I was allowed to take with me, which was like sweatpants and a hoodie, and I. I make my way down to the closest place there was the, the gold nugget casino. Cause it's literally like maybe two blocks over. And I was familiar with that place too. And I went in there and I'm, I get my first meal. I'm chowing, dude. I haven't eaten legit food in five days. It's so bad in, in the system. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, turn on my cell phone, open up my laptop. You know, I have a wireless router or whatever that's in my bag for work and stuff. And I'm just like going through shit and I'm like, Holy shit. I just lost five days of my life. And I'm attempting to go on my accounts and look online and figure stuff out. And, you know, to make a long story short, bro, um, I was in total shock. I had no clue at that time what had really happened to me. I didn't know she had planned all this. I didn't know any of this stuff has happened. Me, but what, what question. I, Did sure. you see any of this coming? No, no, none of it. Not. It was no, like a frying nothing. pan to the forehead. I mean, who, who, who thinks that their wife is going to put them in jail? Yeah, well, clearly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, smart were there guys, any red, you know. red flags when you were married. Like, did you see any red flags when you were married? So there were definitely red flags in the earlier part of the year um, before we started going to counseling because mm -hmm. she started to act like um, that she couldn't ever forgive me for what happened. Um, uh -huh. And, you know, so, yes, there were, but nothing like this, dude. Yeah, nothing, nothing yeah. like this, you know. Um, but again, I mean, she you're was sitting having there on your affair. laptop. You're having your first, you know, fine meal, and you're looking at your bank accounts, going, "Hmm, all the money's gone. <laughs> what, what happened Dude, next?" So I, I honestly, like, I didn't even know what to do because, like, who's going to believe me? So I obviously I called Mike, and I said, "Dude." You know, and he was at the time, he was like very supportive and very believing of me. But then once you start telling people, and by the way, dude, I never got disclosure from my ex until two years later. And she actually told me at a Christmas and this is when I had gotten my daughter's back, which we'll get to that story. But uh, she was like, look, you know, everything you figured out is exactly how it happened, but I'm not going to repeat it. So don't ask me to. Right. So, but I had to uncover everything, dude. Like I had no idea. So she did kidnap both of my daughters. Um, she took them to her parents in Houston and basically dropped them off and said that her and I were going through, you know, some troubles for the time being. And, and would you watch them for a couple of weeks while I sort my stuff out and then proceeded to like gallivant around the country with the guy she was you know, doing this with, who was a photographer. And again, for the purposes of not disparaging her or him, 
I don't even want to talk about it, but it was, dude, it was so harrowing because I had to piece everything together as to what happened to me. And then of course, you know, I used Mike Cernovich because he was one of my best friends at the time and really helped me. And obviously he's an attorney. He has, you know, legal understanding of things. No one seemingly would believe me as it went deeper down the next couple of months. In fact, Richard, when I went back for my crypt to crypt for my house in Atlanta, my mom and dad's home for Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia for Christmas, I was assailed, attacked, castigated. I mean, they just treated me like a pariah. You know, one of my brothers literally pulled up an iPad. This is back in 2011 that had my want, you know, my, uh, my, my mugshot and my charges and put it up in the middle of the room at like the night before Christmas. And I was just like, I had to leave, dude. I mean, I was, it was so, so devastating. So, you know, fast forward the next four months were the most horrific of my life. My kids are gone. Mm -hmm. And what people don't understand is, and you know this, but people for, for the listeners, when you're charged with these kind of things and you have, um, you know, a protective order, child protective services order against you, they're called a PTO. Um, you're not even allowed to attempt to initiate conversation. In fact, if you do email, text, anything, even through a friend of a friend attempting to communicate to these people, they can come back out, rearrest you, triple, double, quadruple the charges that you still have. Because remember, I'm out, right? They've released me, but I still have all these charges to stand for. They're still on my record. Let me ask this question. Did Sure. How did she allege domestic violence against you? Like, did she like did she run into a wall and, and crack her nose or something? Or like, what did she do to herself? Um, dude, nothing did I, as far as I know. And that's a story so, that I really have So it was just point and sputter. Jay's a bad man. Come and pick him he up. He beat me up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and you've heard this, a lot of people this happens to, dude. No, I've seen this happen a lot. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, again, without disparaging her and the system, and we know it's so broken and stuff like that, you know, just to fast forward so everybody can understand like how harrowing this was. Um, the first 30 days, Rich, I couldn't even get back into my house, right? I'm living in this amazing house and I'm not even allowed to go there because the temporary protective order um, is covered for the house. And even though she's gone, and I found out she ended up being in Florida. The kids were in Houston or with her parents, but I couldn't even get back in there. So when I met with Jack, my attorney that Friday, so again, two days later, I had Thanksgiving dinner by myself mm -hmm. uh, with friends. I was for the next week and a half until Jack was able to quash the PTO. I was couch surfing and staying in hotels. You know, it was, it was you don't have a job at this time. either. No. So I'm I do. This is when the no, no. So I haven't lost my job yet. That's yeah. the best part. So of okay. all that shit in the five days, my brother, when I told him on Monday and said, get the attorney, he, I gave him the number of my manager. I worked for, I was working for Edmonds, by the way, the mm -hmm. automotive site. Um, I said, you need to call her um, and, and let her know everything and that, you know, I'll be exonerated that I did nothing, blah, 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 blah. And so somehow, <laughs> somehow there was actually a story to this too. They kept me on. And I was, by the way, I was again, a very well, high level. You didn't lose manager. your job, man. Well, I was very high. I did eventually, but I was a very high level sales manager. But and not they because of the DV charge. So. Yeah, they, they yeah. needed me strategically for who I was. And then the sad part is I found out later from Mike and other smart attorneys that they only kept me because I had felony charges against me. And they were afraid if, if you know they fired me or let me go that I could sue them for wrongful termination because I technically didn't do anything to get fired. I was just allegedly charged with these. Mm -hmm. So once they dropped the felony charges back in April, and that's where we're going to get to the attempted suicide. Um, that's when I you know really hit rock bottom because that was really the only thing I had left in my life. My kids are gone. And by the way, just so you know, over the next three months, I had to get divorced. 
because Jack told me, my attorney, he was like, look, dude, he's like, you're at a point now in your life where all you can be should be focused and concerned is self-preservation. Because if you attempt to yeah, reach out I to your kids, right, if you reach out to your children or attempt to you know connect with them in any capacity, it can be used against you and you'll never mm -hmm. see them. So you're in a holding pattern right now. We have to get these charges gone, expunged, dropped, whatever. And you, you, Jay Campbell, you have to now completely have an eye in the back of your head, right? You cannot go to bars, get drunk, smoke weed, do drugs, do anything that could get you pulled over because while these charges are open, all it takes is one suspicious, you know, cop in a, in a bad mood to pull your file and say, Oh, you're coming in. You're a shit bag. Right? So like I, at that point in my life, and by the way, I'm 41, I, I, everything changed for me. And this is before I even lost the job and we'll get to that in a second, but that's, so those next three or four months, man, I had to like really change how I live my life. And by the way, I'm living in this 4,400 square foot house, no kids, she's gone. So it was like every day going into different parts of the room, like the sense of like missing my kids, smelling their stuff, the toys, all the stuff. It was brutal, bro. I mean, I was definitely at rock bottom. Uh, how long did you not see your kids for? Um, well, total, I didn't see them for, I, I was without them for 18 months, but I did get a chance to see them 18 months. They were, yeah, so, so well, I did get, I did get a chance to see them a year later. Um, or actually not a year later, about 10 and a half months later, because I had met Monica, I, I will get to the story of the kill, attempted suicide, but, um, yeah. I had met Monica and she is such an amazing person. She was able to connect with my ex and say, look, we're going to be at a seminar, a real estate seminar in Florida. Mm -hmm. And he would love, I'll be there, of course, to chaperone if it was any way you could you know, meet us in a happy medium and he could see the girls because it's all, all, he, all he talks about and cares for. And so that was, you know, fast forward. But um, over those next three or four months, you know, I, I got divorced and I had to do all, I had to pay for everything, by the way. Right. 10 grand mm -hmm. for the attorney. Yeah, of course she's not, you know, she's not responsive. And again, I can't reach out to her. Mm -hmm. So the attorney is attempting to reach out to her, but I got divorced. I had to get rid of my house. There was no reason to even be there anymore. Um, so I went through all that. And then I literally flew into Santa Monica, which is where Edmonds corporation, uh, corporate headquarters are. Mm -hmm. For what I thought was strategic meetings in the early part of April. And dude, I started going up the elevator. You know, I flew out early in the morning, like five o'clock from Vegas, McCarran. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I took a cab. This is before Uber. I start coming up the elevator and they don't stop me where I'm supposed to be going. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, they just give me that look, you know, the corporate, you're getting, a, you're getting gassed. So they took me up and literally go into HR. And the girl that's gassing me is a girl that I got the job at Edmonds the year before. What do you mean by gassing you? Well, they just let me go, you know. So they okay. basically just took me in, and they basically said that we're letting you go. We're, 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 you know, it's a BS story, but it was, um, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna annex your territory on mm -hmm. the Southwest and make it a corporate account because you have too many stores connected to a big parent like Auto Nation or something. It was a BS story, dude. When I was going through divorce, it was like the worst thing I ever dealt with, and I dealt with some serious shit that sure. I could never ever talk about on public stuff just because. I, I just can't. Right. Um, but um, like there was a time when I was driving down the highway and I was like, this, this just yeah. sucks. And I yeah. was thinking to myself, if I just take off the seatbelt, floor it. I was driving a uh, forerunner. If I take off the seatbelt, floor it, and then just hit a, a concrete overpass pillar, it'll just be done quick. But so, so like, to hear what you went through, it, like. So, so I'm going to get to it. So, yeah. So, you, okay, you, go, you, you go. know, so, you know, so 
I had to give the backstory. So anyway, so I'm going up the elevator. I get there. The girl, her name is Raina. I don't know how her name just popped into my head, but she, I had gotten her the job at Edmonds mm-hmm. before. She's crying as she's letting me go. It was so weird. She was like, I've never had to do this before. And she knew that I was being gassed because they had just dropped the felony charges like three days before, right? So right. in my life, I'm thinking, wow, things are looking up. You know, I'm going into corporate strategic meetings. My job is really good. By the way, I was the number one guy in the whole company of Evan, by percentage. Number one guy in the whole company. So they dropped the felony charges. And then, of course, now I'm not a casualty to sue them. So then they, they deep six me. So as I'm going home that day, um, I get a call from one of my brothers. And my brother just happens to say, hey, man, I'm just thinking of you. What's going on? And I was like, dude, I just lost my job. And then he's like, oh, man, you know. And instead of lamenting, I'm sitting in a cab on my way back to LAX, uh-huh. fly back to Vegas. Um, you know, he's like, dude, is there anything I can do? I'm like, nah, man, I'm just kind of numb right now. I'm going to go home tonight and train and I'm sure I'll be fine, but no. And so he tells my other brother, right? So I fly home, I go back and I'm living in an apartment now with a good friend of mine who actually is one of the people that experienced the DMT deal with me. So she's part of the story. And I walk in and she's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be there the next three days. I'm like, I literally, her name was Rosanna. I was like, I literally got gassed. I said, they let me go. She's like, what do you mean they let you go? And I'm, you know, I told her, I'm like, I'm sure it's something to do with what happened to me and the felony charges being dropped that I'm not a liability anymore. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, so sorry. So I said, look, I'm going to, I unpacked, I grabbed my stuff. I said, I'm going to go to the gym. And I was driving at the time. This is back in 2012 now, probably early April or late March. I don't remember. I think it was early April. I'm driving a 535 BMW mm-hmm. and um, I go to the parking lot. I get to the parking lot. I'm fine, Richard. I feel fine. And my other brother, who's like my right below me, who's like very successful CEO guy, he just calls me. He just starts laying into me. He goes, you're a fucking waste. You're a total wor- waste of life. You're the smartest person I've ever met. And you're, you, you're a loser. You've ruined your life. I mean, he was just like all over me. Where and did I, that come from? He was just, I think just mad at like what had happened to me. I think my other brother must have called him and said, Jay got Jay lost his job. So, I mean, like it was just one thing after the other. And I think mm. he was just calling me to tell me, he's like, dude, I mean, I'm sure he would have eventually got to like, you need to, you know, cheer yourself up and be who you are and all that stuff. But dude, I just couldn't hear it anymore. I was like, Sean, man, I appreciate it. And I hung up. Mm. And that's when I, that's when exactly what you just said, dude, I literally essentially blacked out and I backed out of the, of the parking lot. I remembered exactly where I was parked in the gym parking lot. And dude, I literally got on Silverado and I can't remember the other ranch road. It's a huge, highly trafficked um, intersection or, or uh, part of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And dude, I fucking floored it. I literally, I clo- dude, I closed my eyes. I closed my eyes and I floored it and I didn't even care what was going to happen. I mean, it was the dumbest, most irresponsible thing that a human being could do and something. And I know what it was now because I'm in touch with it, but. My higher self just like tapped me on the shoulder like really hard and it just made me open my eyes and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to run into the back of this car. Like, and thankfully there was nothing on the right side shoulder, that lane and into the shoulder. And I somehow locked up and just sat there for a second and was just like, what the hell am I thinking, dude? I had the same thing, man. Like I had this, I don't know if it was a voice or a tap on the shoulder, but I had this like moment where it's like, you're not a fucking quitter, man. Right. Don't do it. No, it's your higher self, dude. I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that when we're at our lowest, most, you know, that's my dark night of the soul, but we're at our lowest, most despondent point. Something intervenes and says it's not time. And I'm not sure that everybody gets intervened because I'm sure some people make a deal that is yeah. that time. Right. But for you and me, it wasn't our time, dude. All right. Yeah. So, so you're living 
by yourself. You don't have a job. You don't have access to your kids. <laughs> What'd you do from there, man? I mean, this is like, was this rock bottom for you? Like, what was this like late 30s? So, so, so no, this is definitely 41. So this is 41. Okay. This is 2012. Um, so, so I came home. I actually, I actually went back of all things. I actually went back to the gym. So, so, so clearly I'm sitting there on the shoulder of the road and side of the road. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to rebound from this and I'm going to live the greatest life ever. And then again, that was just a thought that went into my head and I'm still obviously a total rock bottom. So I, I went into the gym. I actually had a really good workout. And then I went home and, you know, I told Rosanna, my roommate, what, what had happened. And she's like, I'm just, I thank God. I'm so glad you're here. And then the next three mornings, bro, I woke up. I couldn't wake up in the morning. I was literally dead. Could and I remember. Sleep? Like, I could you sleep at this no, time? Or was no, no, like I, 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 bear, I, I wasn't sleeping anyway because once the kids were gone, mm -hmm. I just couldn't sleep, bro. And especially living in that big giant house. So now I'm in a smaller place. I'm in like a two bedroom condo. that's probably mm -hmm. like 1,100, 900,000, whatever square feet. And it was, it's better. I'm five months removed from like leaving, losing the kids, but no, I wasn't sleeping and I was so skinny, bro. I was like fucking gaunt. I mean, I, I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. Um, yeah. Same thing I, happens to me too. When I got yeah. huge stresses, I can't fucking sleep and I can't eat. Like, I, yeah, I mean, it's our like brain. I'm, I'm about 210 pounds now and I've gone down to like, I'm going to say 188, 186. Yeah, that's like, what I was with dude. like high stress. It's like, that's it's messed was. up. We're the same body. We had the same body type. I was, I was the same way. I was probably like 187, 189, yeah. but, um, so anyway, so I, I, I just remember not waking up the next three days and I would go to get on the bike, you know, force myself, force a will. I'm going to ride the bike. And then I would do I would just start crying. And Rosanna would come out and she would try to pep talk me and stuff like that. She worked as a cocktail waitress. So she'd work at night. So she was actually asleep and be in the morning, but she'd come out and she'd try to comfort me. And um, there was just no comforting. And I finally, and again, very lucky, very blessed. I finally got the courage, which was stupid now looking back on it, but I called one of my best friends who was a car dealer, you know, he yeah. owned dealerships. His name's Ryan Galante. I love him to this day. And I said, dude, I don't know. I hate to have to ask you this, but, and we didn't even talk about this, but you know, I owe, you know, 3,500 a month in child support and alimony. <laughs> right after all that, I still got to pay. And, 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 uh, and, and, you know, plus, you know, I got to pay for their medical benefits. So all in, I think I was out like 4,400 a month. Um, I said, can you just give me a job that allows me to survive? And he's like, he was literally without even thinking about it. He's like, Jay, man, of course, dude. He's like, I'll hire you any day. He's like, when do you need to be here? When, when do you come, when can you start? And I was like, I mean, I didn't expect him to say yes. I was like, dude, I can start as soon as I can get my stuff packed up and there. And so, you know, two weekends later, um, I, well, okay. Yep. Two weekends later I was back. So it was like right around the beginning of May and I had to find an apartment, I had to do all that. But dude, I literally was living in a 300. 312 foot studio apartment in Sherman Oaks, California, paying like absurd rent, even back in 2012. Mm -hmm. But I was like happy that, you know, he, he, he created a bullshit job for me. It was like a digital marketing director in his internet right. department or something, you know, to pay me. Um, but you know, going back there, um, I got on match.com, even though I was so broken and we could talk about that. I was so broken. I hated women. I wanted to I literally had a st my story was like I wanted to have sex with three women in a 24 hour period and 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 just defile them, you know, just like be as horrible as I could as a person, as a human being to them. I was so lost, so broken by what had happened to me. But mm -hmm. um, the only part of the story that we kind of left off, I fast forwarded over was, you know, the, the DMT and the DMT actually happened before 
I lost my job with Edmonds and it was like literally three weeks before that happened. It was in March and it was in LA and it was, it was me and Mike Cernovich and my roommate Rosanna. Mm -hmm. Um, And that without question, I feel, and who's to know, but you know, in my inner knowing, I feel that that was the first step of healing of like, you know, integrating the trauma of everything that I had been through. How is, how is DMT different from ayahuasca? Um, it's a good you question. You don't throw up with DMT, right? Right. Like you don't no. have like violent convulsions and stuff. Like it's no, just the and DMT. I, yeah. I mean, I, well, so it's, so it's 5-MeO DMT. So DMT and 5-MeO are different. So 5-MeO is the strongest ethnogen, right? It's mm-hmm. the strongest psychedelic plant medicine. It's not a psychedelic. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. some people could see it as a psychedelic, but it's very, very powerful. And it's very, very profound. And for people that are, you know, essentially rock bottom or seeking um, you know, therapy or, you know, you know, trauma integration. Um, it's what people recommend. And truthfully at that time of my life, <clears throat> I was so lost that I didn't even know what I was looking for because I was just lost. I guess I was just like looking for uh, a better way from where I was. Cause again, my kids are gone, but dude, you know, my experience and I've shared this with other on other podcasts before, but not as deep as this, of course, um, I literally went under and it seemed like I was under for an entire day, but it was 21 minutes. And I literally, Richard, I profoundly and just un- just unmercilessly just cried. Mm-hmm. And the entire room, you know, it was a very shamanic. Well, they always room. say it's like a purging experience a lot yes. of times with ayahuasca, right? So that so, was your purge, like the exactly, the dude. Exactly. So it was it was a very ceremonial experience. The shaman was awesome. The people that were there were awesome. You know, I was with Mike Cernovich. I was with uh, Rosanna, her, her last name was Solano. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole room, when I came to, was literally crying and sobbing and just in abject, crazy tears. And dude, you know, I didn't even know what was going on. But then I looked around and I'm all covered and I'm all wet and everything too. And then the shaman literally walked up to me and he just hugged me. He said, brother, that was one of the most amazing releases that I've ever experienced. And I've been doing shamanic ceremonies for 13 years. So you know, I didn't know it meant nothing to me. I'd never done it before, but well, you had a lot going on in your life. Dude, clearly I released so much. It was such a gift to be able why to did do you, that. Why did you decide to do that? Like, why did you go, Oh, this would be a good idea. Was it just like, I got nothing else going on? Um, no, Rosanna was, um, she had done plant medicine before and she yeah. had, you know, put in my ear that she thought that it would be a really amazing thing for me to experience because of where I was and what had happened to me. And she knew me and my ex when we were, you know, nowhere like that. So she had been around me for three or four years. And, and by the way, we had no romantic relationship or anything. She was just a really, really good friend. Um, sure. but she thought, <laughs> no, <laughs> I would, I would, I would be open to saying if I did, yeah, but I know she just, she was just such a good friend to me. And, um, she just recommended it. And then, you know, when I was talking to Mike, Mike was like, well, shit, can I go too?" And, you know, so, uh-huh. you know, those people that do five DMT MEO experiences are, that's one of the most illegal, you know, drugs on the planet. It's not a yeah. drug, obviously, but it's, it's you, they vet you, dude, they seriously vet you. So, right. So we had to like all three get vetted before we went on that and everything. Yeah, yeah. But again, I just, you know, as a final word on that, I mean, I really, know that it profoundly altered me as a as a person so how did it alter you like what was your aha takeaway when you kind of woke up after that 21 minutes so i think i gotta fast forward a little bit so um well the first the first 24 hours is insane i mean you feel like you are connected to like a sense of just pure love 
Like we drove back that night. You know, I drove, I I drove, we parked at like a IHOP somewhere in, in, in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. And I drove Mike back to his car and he took off. And then, you know, Roseanne and I had to drive back to Vegas and just on the ride back to Vegas. Cause it, we didn't get home until like 1230 that night. But I just remember just sitting in the car and both of us were just like, we were crying and we were laughing and we were joyous, but the whole next day, dude, I felt like it's, I mean, it, I mean, honestly, it's hard to imagine. Like if you've ever done MDMA, like real pure MDMA and you have that, you know, super 700, 800 level of consciousness vibration where you're just pure love and everything is just perfection. I felt bits and pieces of that for at least 24 to 32 hours after. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, it's not, I don't want people to think it's like MDMA. It's totally different, but you feel that profound sense of like belonging or joy or just like everything is fulfilled. And obviously I was still in a place, Richard, where I was not fulfilled and I didn't have joy. Right. So this was like therapy for you. This wasn't like, let's take some mushrooms and watch right. the trees dance sort of thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, no, nothing like that. And I would highly recommend that anyone <clears throat> listening to this who's contemplating doing that, you know, those are different, you know, for, for, to get high, you know, whatever, that's fine. Do, do no judgment, but don't ever take plant medicine to do that because it will, you will have a bad experience because as, as anybody who's very familiar with plant journeys will tell you the plant is an amplifier. And it will give you exactly what you need, whether you want it or not. Yeah. Yeah. It shows you your inner, inner self is what I was told. Exactly. Um, okay. So you're 41. You've just done DMT. You've had this awakening. Where do you go from here? I mean, less than a month later, I lose my job. I then call my buddy. He gives me a job. So I literally drive back to LA, which I've now been gone from for three years because I left mm. in 2010. You still don't have access years. to your kids, though. Like, you don't have custody oh, no. or nothing. Oh, so no, no, no. They're still, like, are they living with mom or they living with the mom's grandparents? So they're living they with doing... mom. I mean, that's a good question. I really don't know officially, know but I'm pretty sure they're living with mom. Yeah. So the only time, this is, again, hor hor horrifically traumatic. The only time I would ever hear from her was literally at the end of the month, she would text me, and it would be, where's my fucking money? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Right? So, so I go back to L.A., tail completely tucked thankful that I have this job opportunity. I have a one, you know, I rented a U-Haul. I literally have a, which is silly. I have a plasma TV, my clothes and my exercise bike. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Literally. I mean, I went from a 4,400 square foot house to that, right. Mm -hmm. I move into this, this tiny little one bedroom um, studio apartment, 310 feet in Sherman Oaks, which I was happy to be because it was close to the dealership. I would not have traffic. I hate traffic. I know I like you, right. Can't be in traffic. Yeah. Um, and I'm there for about, Five and a half months. <clears throat> and I met, I met Monica on match.com four months into the deal. Now, like I told you, and you know, no, no, no shame to admit this. Um, I was in a bad place. Like the girls that I would date were like garbage. I mean, not as human beings, but like I treated them like garbage and I was mm -hmm. just in a terrible place. And thankfully Mike and a couple other, my friends, a couple other guys, I won't mention them because I had asked them and they were like, no, don't mention us. They were giving me books to read um, for, ma you know, for masculinity and stuff like that. Like I was reading Gary read. Zukoff. Oh, I was reading tons of books. You know, I, I probably read, I read, um, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz. I read so many books about embracing masculinity from the bottom and stuff mm -hmm. that that was kind of giving me a new start. I also listened to David Duda, you know, the ways of the superior man, or I read his book or whatever. There's so much I read. Isn't, isn't Cernovich kind of like one of the original guys that got involved in like the red pill manosphere community? Like, I don't know him that well, so I'm not too familiar. Yeah, dude, I think so. I, I mean, I mean, you know, I don't want to label him or anything, but I, I, I want to say that, um, you know, Mike had his blog danger and play. Uh -huh. And before that, 
um, he had Crime and Federalism, which was by far his best writing. He doesn't write anything like that now. And that was when he was writing unabridged and not worried about political correctness and, you know, his audience and fans and all that nonsense. But like mm -hmm. probably, you know, without putting words in his mouth, I would say yes. But, okay. but Mike and I were always really good friends before the Internet, before. I mean, dude, when I was 26 or 25, might have been 25. I mean, see, see, he's 42 now. So he's like, we're like a seven year difference. Like he literally came out and slept, slept on my couch for two weeks when he was a high school senior. And we met on, we met on the internet, like, and I think it was a alternate fitness weights or one of the lists. Or, no, it was the low carbon exercise list. Mm -hmm. And that's how we met. And we always were friends way before the internet, before Mike made all these friends on the internet and all that, we were like friends, friends. So he was always like in my inner circle and a very close confidant, but those guys were helping me, but I was still broken, dude. Like I'd hang out with them on the weekend. They'd be like, I remember Mike's girlfriend who he's now married to Shauna Shogo. Shout out to Shauna. Um, she was like, dude, you have so much more to offer, but you're a fucking mess. <laughs> how did you, I'd be like, yeah, reconcile yeah. yourself after all that trauma, you know, to like be able to be productive and find a new purpose. Like a lot of the times, you know, I'll tell guys like you got to let your wounds become your work right. sort of thing. That's a great way to um, say it. How did you, like, like you kind of, like your story really isn't, you know, <laughs> anything more than uh, pivots. You know, your yeah. entire life has been pivots, you know, your entire yeah. time. Like every time, you know, you, you know, you chase some level of excellence and you hit a roadblock or something happens and you get detour. It's just like, you're all right, let's pivot, you know? Yeah. And sometimes you do d some dumb shit and sometimes it works out and other times it doesn't. But I mean, you're in your forties now. You're yeah. pretty much still at rock bottom. All you've had is a great DMT experience. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you had some fun and now you're like, okay, I don't see my kids. I'm, I'm in LA. What do I do now? You start, you know, dating women, of course, you know, you treat some of them like crap, <laughs> Monica. Um, so what happens now? Like, is this when you kind of pivoted into the optimization stuff and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to become like a top shelf guy, you know, as far as health goes or. So, yeah. So, so, you know, truth be told, I have to give amazing credit to Monica. So when Monica met me, I was still in the phase of like, I'm going to tear this woman apart. I mean, she sent me, it's a funny story. I'll make it very, very, very abridged. She sent me this cool email through match and I looked at her profile and she didn't have a picture. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but it was a very interesting email. So I agreed to meet her. And, but it was like, my plan was to just destroy her too. I mean, and I, I probably figured I would destroy her and just our conversation. I was mm -hmm. lost, bro. And then I met this woman who's like content. I mean, first she's beautiful, but then like, um, I'm sitting there and she's happy. And that's what I said to her. Like I literally verbal diarrhea all over her in 25 minutes. Here's my story. Blah. And she just sat there and she was like, Oh, well, you know, my story is not as interesting, but here I am. And then like, after she was done talking in 10 minutes, I was like, wait a minute, you're genuinely happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she was like, well, yeah, I mean, what do you, isn't everybody. And I was like, no, you know, so, then we she you know, wasn't we, listening to your Batman origin story, was she? Dude, so we started walking through Old Town Pasadena, and we were in. I remember it was like it was yesterday. We were in the diesel store, uh -huh. and she was trying on an outfit. And she's like, she came out and she was like, "What do you think?" And I just leaned over and I kissed her, and that's when you know. And she tells the story too, but that's when she felt my heart, and that's when she knew she literally was like right here on my heart, and she was like, "Oh my god, this guy's energy is insane." She's like this is my, this is the guy for me. And she was coming out of a divorce too. Mm -hmm. And she has her own story, not nearly as bad as mine, but she just knew. And dude, I didn't know. 
you know, I thought she was just some attractive woman that I was going to tear through again, like I had been the previous year. Let me ask you and, this question. Yeah. You go through like a shit show of a marriage and a divorce. I mean, it was your second marriage. Yeah. Are you and Monica married right now? Yeah, we are. Mm -hmm. So after all that trauma, what, what made you say, all right, I'll just forget those experiences and I'm going to put myself out there and take on this risk again? So it's a great question. I never would have done it in a million years. And, and there's one answer. And four months later, um, and this is when I finally got a chance to see my daughters in that break, right? Because I didn't get them back for another year later. So that was that whole 18 months. But mm -hmm. Monica was like, look, I'm going to a real estate, a Mike Ferry real estate seminar in Miami. Why don't you come with me? And at the tail end, we'll spend the last two days and we'll, we'll attempt to go see her kids. And I was just like, dude, you know, oh, it's not going to happen. She's not going to allow it. Ah, I was just fucking verbal diarrhea. And she's like, listen, it's going to happen, but you have to come first. I'm going to make it happen. And that's how powerful a woman she is. And I was like, I didn't even think that my boss would even give me time off. You know, it's a car business. And mm -hmm. so I asked him and he's like, Jay, it's your kids go. So I went and same thing. We spent two days together at the conference and then we did, she did somehow get connect with my ex and my ex agreed to meet us. And so we drove all the way up from Miami. They were in Tampa, a little South of Tampa. And we met at like a waffle house or no, it wasn't a waffle house. It was some diner. And dude, worst experience of my life, best, happiest, but worst. So they get out of the car. And by the way, my ex is there. She gave like somebody who was a friend of hers to meet us there. And my daughter, Alex, you know, runs up to me and is like, daddy, daddy. And I'm, dude, I'm crying. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I can start crying right now just thinking about it. But, you know, I'm holding her. And then Gabby, my baby, doesn't know who I am. She literally does not even know who I am, dude. I was devastated. I mean, I was just devastated, but thankfully Monica's there and she's watching him. And, you know, she, I just, I, I see Monica with these girls and we, and by the way, we got a chance to spend the next day with them. We got a hotel. She let us stay with them. Um, and it was just the most cathartic experience of my life. The next 24 hours, I was just so happy, but I saw the way she was with them, Richard. And I was like, you know what, if I'm ever going to be with a woman and, you know, optimally or thankfully if i do get my children back if i want my daughters to be raised by a strong powerful independent woman who knows what's up this is it like I, there's no way especially with my baggage and all the things that i've been through and so you know the we, we left the next day and you know i had to, it was horrible it was you know just terrible leaving them and having to go back to california i just fuck dude just the wow. thought of it the thought of it just breaks me but man <clears throat> just the thought of it um so um I mean, these shows run for about ninety minutes. I don't want to. I don't want to go over on it. But yeah, um, for sure, man. Let's take another ten because we got a couple of people waiting to ask some questions. But let's take another ten and kind of like lean into the optimization sure. story to like sure. where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, you've been up like up and down. Some, like that's. Yeah. Thank you. You know, thank you for sharing that. But yeah. yeah no. 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 For sure. About I, that stuff. I, and I. And by the way, I. I, I appreciate you having given me the opportunity because I really never have shared it. I've talked about things, bits and pieces, but I'm. I'm glad that this is out there so people can really know because, like, you know, as you know, nobody is successful without going through dark nights of the soul. It just doesn't happen. It's just some people aren't as public about it, and so mm -hmm. I felt like you know what I'm going to share my story, and obviously, I have total forgiveness and love and acceptance and allowance for my ex. I have no issues with her. I have my daughters back now, but just fast forward into the optimization game. Um, meeting Monica, her teaching me that I had so much to give, teaching me empowerment. She was very woo woo. You know, I was very against it, but I 
acquiesced and, you know, coalesced as I saw her power and I saw what she was. And then her and I, I mean, dude, you know, I think I told you this, I'll just share it real quick and, you know, fast forward to the optimization. So the first year that her and I were together, and by the way, so I come back to California and I'm like, you know what, this is the one. And so a month later, she says to me, she says to me, why don't you do what you're doing for the car dealership for me? Why don't we just go into business together? Right. So I've been dating this woman now four months. And she asked me literally like to go into business together, which was at the time, knowing who I am, I'd be like, you're fucking nuts. But dude, something, and again, my higher self, I presume made me do it. We moved in together and the rest is history in our first year together working in real estate. And by the way, I did not have a real estate license, but I was, a, you know, a, a digital marketing, you know, ninja. We did 96 transactions together. Her and I just together, we did like $44 million in production and made just over a million dollars in gross commission income. And I, this is coming from nothing, bro. Like the year before I was nearly bankrupt. Mm -hmm. I had like $13,000 to my name in a Roth IRA coming back to California, tail tucked, as you know, with nothing, with just a promise of a job at a car dealership, you know, knowing I had to pay $4,200 a month. So again, Focus, direction, energy, and and obviously intense belief. Mm -hmm. Anything's possible. So then, you know, was successful in real estate for the next couple of years. That's when Mike came back to me again. He's like, dude, you got to write a book on testosterone. Um, him and I were originally going to write it together, but him and I do not do business together, even though we're still the best of friends. He's a fucking maniac. I'm a fucking maniac. We couldn't get it together. So I finally put the book out in 2015 and, you know, subsequently written four books since then. Um, I've made great relationships. I think, you know, now that like one of my gifts is connection and connecting people. Um, I've become really good friends with some of the top physicians and top clinical research experts in the world when it comes to optimization, biohacking, testosterone, all that stuff. I also wrote two books on fasting. Um, truth be told, I'm just all posting those the, links again in the chat for people yeah, that have so, come so in truth, after. Truth be told, Richard, all the stuff that I did in my formulative years and even in my late twenties, when I met Lyle McDonald and I did a lot of research on ketogenic dieting and I was actually one of his guinea pigs slash test dummies when he wrote the first book on ketosis and ketogenic dieting way before anybody even knew what ketogenic dieting was. And then in my 30s, when I first started therapeutic testosterone, all the studying and the research and all that stuff, that's what led me to where I am now. So it's like I always tell guys like I wasn't just lucky and that I was in the right place at the right time, but I did the work with the research. And then of course I've always been applying it to myself. Right. And like, I've always been a student of training the human physique and all the things that I did. So, I mean, you know, essentially I just was like doing the work without the acclaim and not being in that industry. And then eventually I just said, I'm going to break loose. I'm going to write this book. And now here we are. Um, I want to, I want to link to your YouTube channel because we're not going to have enough time to really dive into the uh, therapeutic testosterone peptides. We can come back. We'll do another one, dude. Yeah, um, well, we got a private one scheduled tomorrow for my community. So for those guys that are watching right now that are in my 1%, that's tomorrow. Um, it's on the events tab. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check it. We're going to we're gonna do a, a deeper session there with a lot of Q&A. And I really want to hit on the peptide part because that's, yeah. that's really cool stuff. Um, we've got another 10 minutes to kind of shoot the shit out. There's a couple of people I want to throw in for questions that I see waiting there that sure. would be very interesting. What do you think is the most important lesson that you can share with people? you know, from the zero to hero journey, like this playing to win sort of concept that, you know, we talked about this entire show. Um, man, I, I mean, I, like, I think it's just like a statement, like, you know, um, the physical experience is a game 
while we're here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's like what you focus on is what you get back, right? So it's like, does it matter what happens to you from an experiential level, whether it's negative or positive? The universe doesn't label anything negative or positive. It just exp- allows the experience to happen. So it's up to us to not label it as negative, right? So like when I say this and, you know, but, you yeah, there's I, a silver lining in everything, right? Yes, it's a dude. lesson. Yeah. Exactly. Like when I look at my life now, I'm so a blast. I mean, I look at it as an abundance, right? Because like those were opportunities for me to learn from. And so I have no pain or attachment to any quote unquote negativity that came from that. I just look at it as literally a learning experience. And it's just like, dude, look at my amazing life. Now I have so much in my life. And, and, and just to add to that too, and this is where people really get stuck. If you do not allow and accept everything that happens to you. Like, I'll give you an amazing statement, dude. Like, this is an amazing statement. Like the greatest gift that we can give to anyone, of course, in our life or any, anybody, others is just to be at peace with the world. Like literally that's it. If you're at peace with whatever happens around you or to you, then you're a master. I mean, it really is that simple. How many people react to everything that goes on versus observing and then just making strategic decisions. I mean, it goes back I to agree. the yeah, the I moral agree. of the story, right? Yeah, winners never quit. I mean, it's 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 the way it is. You're going to be dealing with ups and downs, tri- trials and tribulations. What are you going to do when you're in the trial or you're in the contrast? You know, you're going to do the same thing when you win than when you lose. I always tell guys that you know these 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 obstacles that fall in your way are really just tests to see how exactly. badly. It is that you want something, exactly right? Because I mean, like you'll either find a way to make it happen, or you'll find an excuse. Exactly. And dude. I think the vast majority of guys here, they don't have the gumption to find a solution. They'll they'll lean on an excuse, or they'll point and sputter, or they'll just you know, this is not my fault, or you know, whatever it might be. The mainstream um, makes it easy, Richard. The mainstream makes it easy for people to be victims. You know that. Well, the yeah, I mean, the mainstream narrative, you know, culture, religion, media, government, school. Like they teach you to be a victim. They want you to be a victim because when you're a victim, you, you vote no power. for policies that exactly. give them more po- power. Exactly. Right. Like you vote for laws and regulation that allow them to control and monitor you more. Hundred percent. So it's 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 crazy. Um, I'm gonna throw Sam Botta on. He's um, I don't know if you know Sam. I think yeah, you know, right? of course I know Sam. Sam, how you doing, brother? I couldn't be better. I'm so Sam, excited. what's up, brother? Man, one of the reasons I couldn't be better now is because of you. I mean, I got to tell you, this guy is so generous and kind and humble. I mean, middle of the night after the hit and run accident, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. This guy helped me with everything, and he he told me exactly what to do, what to take, and he was right on everything. <laughs> and I'll never forget that trip we made uh, to you, City, me, man. Monica, yeah. yeah. And uh, man, everything that uh, everything that we talked about, you 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 felt felt followed through with it. You did it all. I mean, look at this, everything you established and more. And uh, look, um, I know a lot of these guys that are watching this and uh, every one of them has to get your books and follow exactly what you tell them to do because it has, you know, my body uh, has had some struggles and, um, you know, there's a secret ingredient behind it all and it's been Jay Campbell. And, uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, Ben Greenfield, um, I've been going to uh, Matthew Cook at Bio Reset um, in uh, Mountain View area, California. 
And uh, man, those those guys love you. They love you. But I just wanted to, I wanted to thank you uh, in front of all these guys and hey, tell Sam, them, man, I love you, brother. No I love you for saying all that, man. And you know, I'm, I'm always open to talk, dude. You know that you're in all my yep. groups and I appreciate you for that. And you, you, you always have an inner circle with me, brother. All you have to do is just reach out, man. And I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear from you. I'm glad you're doing well. And, uh, I got love and light for you, brother. I, I send it to you, man. Well, I'm glad Mike introduced me to you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Okay, man. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, yep. Sam. See you, brother. Um, so in the, if you guys are watching this as a replay, pinned in the top comment is the link to Jay's um, site with his book. So there's so there's three. Well, there's two open there right now. There's a TRT manual. I think it's called the TOT Optimization Bible. Yeah, it's the TOT Bible, Testosterone Optimization Therapy Bible. Yep. So that'll help guys. Uh, like as you age as men, um, you know, men or sorry, women go through something called menopause most guys are familiar with it but it's but it's obvious like it like it happens right away eggs just stop and then their their body just changes but for men andropause happens over a longer period of time it's very slow most guys don't notice it they only start noticing it really when they start getting fat they get a lot of uh you know belly fat they don't wake up with morning wood anymore they don't yep. have much of a libido um all those things over time just start to pile up so that that book will explain exactly how TRT works, why you want to take a look at it. The other one is the intermittent fasting book, which is another great one that I've read myself. I pass it out to the guys in my community when you gave it to me about a year, year and a half ago. Yep. And that's great if you want to get ripped. Uh, the peptide book comes out later on this year. And peptides are something that I've been newly introduced to. Um, they're they're sold as um what do they call them for research purposes only <laughs> well unless you get them from tailor-made pharmacies yes yeah. they're the only compounding pharmacy in north america that has sterility control and of course quality uh control assurance or sterility processing quality control assurances yes dude yeah. you gotta buy research chemicals and i've used like to to give an example of just one peptide because i mean we're not gonna have enough time to go through them all we're gonna do this tomorrow on the sure. private broadcast with my guys but to give an example of just one peptide bpc 157 is an incredible <laughs> amino acid um i can't remember who it introduced actually you know what dude it was ben that mentioned it to me a couple yeah. of years ago yeah and he's like you do all this and you put the pin in your knee and you do all this sort of shit because i was asking about my knee and i'm like <laughs> forget that that's just that's just too much right. i'm not going to go put needles in my knee right yep. and then you and i talked and then i looked at bpc 157 again and he's got an article so if you google bpc 157 yep. plus yep. ben greenfield he'll yep. tell you exactly how to use it how to dosage and yep. what it does but as you age guys your your joints are going to start to fail you i mean they're not going <laughs> to like, like failure in the sense where you're going to fall down but they're not going to be as good as they were when you were 20. like i can't ski down whistler anymore right. so when i ski i'm skiing ontario hills right because <laughs> my knees are not great but i want to be able to ski you know and have some fun with my kid and you know friends and stuff so bp see one believe it like yeah remember what i told you dude i'm like you yeah. start using that you're gonna shit it'll literally fix you in two weeks yeah well it wasn't exactly two weeks but i'm gonna say about a month and yeah. i don't have any pain in my knee That's anymore awesome, i can man. do squats again yeah. so i'm looking forward to the ski season there's a whole bunch of other really good peptides you put me into a peptide group and you yep. connected me with nick so i'm yep. grateful for that so take a look at at uh that link that i put there for jay's site and and is there a, a pre-order a pre-order for the peptide book? So not really, but for everybody that is in Richard's community or even watches this link, we're gonna sell the book when it comes out for $99 and we're gonna sell it direct probably from our you know sales page. I don't know if it'll be ClickFunnels or whatever, but uh, for everybody who does purchase the book, 
until Sunday night when Richard's going to take it down, we're going to charge you guys $79. So the book is not ready yet, but it will be out by the end of the year. And trust me, I'm writing it along with Nick. And you already know Nick. And Nick is literally one of the smartest biochemical engineers on the entire planet. He is a chief. I yeah. had I had no idea how smart Nick was until I started asking him questions in that WhatsApp group about the peptides that I ordered, and he's laying it all out. I'm like, okay, this guy's on it. Like he, yeah, like, I mean, the guy's when you genius, say talk right? to this guy, you never introduce me to somebody that's stupid that doesn't know what they're talking about. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so you guys, the book will be, and and Richard already knows this. It will be the best book on the entire world in the entire world that at least that I know exists on peptides. It will be how to use them. It's a game how changer. To, yeah why they're used and again let's just go real quick these things are not just for fat loss healing these are for brain cognition increase muscle gain um it some of them actually stop alzheimer's and dementia and other neurodegenerative diseases in their tracks what i mean this that is one that lengthens your telomeres uh yeah epitalon epitalon yeah like so, that's another one in Ben was talking about that as well, because it actually lowers your biological age, you know, on a exactly. cellular level. Too. Exactly. You want to use it once a year for yeah. about three weeks in a very specific and controlled dose, and it will uh, improve your telomeres and or actually extend them, but uh, the caps. But I'm on one right now that no one has access to. It's called 5-Amino. And dude, I've been using this for four weeks since I came back from TaylorMade. Um, nobody really even has it. It's not even in existence, but this might be the best peptide in existence. It does so many things. And of course I'll share with your private group tomorrow, fat loss, uh, metabolism regulation. You, I mean, you can actually eat a lot of food on this peptide and not gain any body fat. So if you want to, if you're skinny or you need to put on muscle, this is what you would use. Um, also pinned in the description if you're watching the replay, but it's entrepreneursandcars.com forward slash community. If you want to get into the 1% and join us live for that, conversation tomorrow do that today uh if you if you watch this later and it's after the live broadcast there'll be a recording in the library that we have in there so yeah let me um, just throw something in richard um to make them realize like how valuable tomorrow really is i'm doing a webinar with nick and ben greenfield and ryan smith the top guy at taylor made the only yeah. place in the world that sells these things um in April. And that's how far out we are on each other's calendars right now to do this. But I'm going to be dropping information tomorrow morning in that that's going to be in that webinar in April. Cool. Um, <clears throat> Gary, how you doing, man? Hey, hey, evening. You're going to be the, uh, the second and last question for the evening. So fire away, man. You got like five minutes. How you doing, brother? Uh, surviving. So um, I, I was wondering what advice you would have for somebody that uh, is, you know, and other people, not even just me, because it's so common, the the divorce rate, the silver bullet, everything you went through. I know I myself, and actually surprisingly, uh, I'm a zenial, a very early 80s tail Gen X. I know a ton of others like us that are going through this. Sure. Um, exactly what you said, down to even the near the same dollar amounts, the pressure on you and <clears throat> you know the, the stress you're under with all this. Like, how did you manage that was was fitness a key? Was gym key? Like, how did you make that transition? And also, from what you had described with your ex, again, myself, countless others I know going through this, how did you sort of bridge that gap? And perhaps the term I'm looking for, manage that relationship with her in order to co-parent? Because we all know with that sort of stuff, it's very difficult. To deal dude, with. dude, your questions are phenomenal. 
Um, <laughs> should make a book. We should make a book just narrating these questions and creating a narrative that we could create the answers. So the answers are very simple. Yeah. Um, I met Monica, and she was the bridge, because at the time she would not even speak with me, and we all go through that, right? So I mean, the answer if you don't have somebody that's a bridge is time, because everything heals over time. And I know that's not really the answer you want to hear right now because it sucks. You know, especially in that initial part where you have no communication, they treat you like shit. Where's the money, right? That's all you get. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, to answer your question, for sure, my fitness never took a back seat. Like I always did cardio. I've told Richard this before. You know, that cardio. You know, a lot of guys are into the weight training, and we do got a weight train. We know that, but the cardio is where you get the blood flow to your brain, and that's really where you're going to get the endorphins and the encalphins to keep going. When you just feel like giving up, dude. And I, I definitely attribute doing very consistent cardio, um, even if it was 20 minutes a session. You know, I always tell guys, man, when you're going through the shit, get an exercise bike, you know, because a lot of guys don't have room for a treadmill, you know, especially when we're down and out and we're living in these fucking shacks or one bedroom places. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we have no option. You know, get a get a really nice, you know, four hundred dollar like Schwinn life cycle. It measures your heart rate or whatever. And, you know, just put it in or there. Even better, just get room. a nice bike and ride outside in the well, open yeah. air. Well, yeah. I mean, you yeah. can do that too. I mean, obviously, I, I just like being out, able to roll out of the bed and jump on that mf -er, put on some good, you know, binaural beats. And, 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 and I read too, by the way. I mean, I'm always reading books, you know. But, I mean, dude, like, it's just going to take time, you know. Yeah. I was lucky that my, you know, Monica was able to connect with my ex. But all women after three or four years – They'll either meet somebody else <laughs> and not care, or they'll just like realize that if they're going to be a co-parent, they have to come to the table. That's just my take. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. That, that's what I was curious about because it, 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 I've seen so many men broken by it and I can see why going through it you know, until you go through it, everyone's like, Oh, that's bad dads. Or, Oh, you just hear about that. You're yeah, like, it's all BS. Oh, yeah. And um, very few people, you know, I think it's, I'm trying not to get on a soapbox. And no, I, it's okay. Public speaking. But you know, what I see is it, it's such a common thing. Yourself, Rich, others were able to springboard from it, which is a quality that, you know, like this is – let me try and gather my thoughts. It's like a quality that – this is something that affects all men, the society we live in. And oh, what's the term I'm looking for? Trying to – teach that so we can all get further and survive this i mean you know, just any advice. i don't know if it's a teachable skill i think it's just yeah i think it's just hardwired into you as a man like where you're gonna have to put up with shit well yeah. I, I would say one there's one thing i agree with richard but there's and one stress. thing yeah there's one yeah. thing there's one thing you can do gary and that is forgive and when I say, when I say forgive, I mean, literally unconditionally forgive. Mm. And it's so hard as that sounds right now, like, you know, for your ex, because I remember being there, I'd be like, I'm not going to forgive her. She put me in jail. She destroyed my life. Da, da, da. But yeah, when you can actually good. forgive that person and just drop the attachment to the pain, because you have pain energy. We did. Richard had it. I had it. I mean, that's oh, what yeah, drove us to want to kill ourselves. It's outrageous. Yeah. So, so that really is the answer and that is not easy to do, but any of us can do that. And I know for a fact that like I dropped it. I mean, I, I was still fighting with her two years ago. Yeah. You know, she would come over to our house because she lives in Vegas now of all places. And she would come over to be with the girls. And one day she was like, you know, BSing in my house. And I'm like, what? 
this is not six years ago. And I blew up on her and, you know, Monica came to me and she's like, dude, you can't talk to her like that. And that's when I went to bed that night. And I was like, you know what? I am never going to dishonor or dis disrespect her in front. Of, Cause my daughters were in the house. They weren't in the room, but they were in the house. Yeah. You don't want to do it in front of the kids. No, never. So I, I decided that was it, dude. I was going to forgive her and I would be done. And that's that I know will work. So that does work. So just to add to what Jay was saying, there's, the two most negative emotions that you can feel as a guy, and I learned this in my early 20s, is resentment and guilt. Absolutely. One's directed towards somebody else and Absolutely. one's directed towards yourself. Exactly. It's just a bag of bricks. And it's really, <laughs> really hard for guys to to uh, just drop that bag of bricks and put totally. it down and walk away from it. Because we like to fucking carry it like it's exactly. some sort of badge. Like it's like, you know, I got screwed over, so I'm right. going to hate these people sort of thing. Yeah. And the honestly, way- like you're you're no better than a toxic feminist that points and sputters at the patriarchy. Exactly. exactly. You know, it's just like, just take ownership and control what you can and just forget about the dumb shit. Cause it really doesn't serve you, man. Like holding on to resentment mm-hmm. and guilt. You think it's doing something, but it's not doing anything. Nobody cares. Totally. Gary, think of it like this, dude. Um, so it's like the difference between what happened and the stories around the, the event. Right. So it's like, yeah. The fact is what actually happened to you. And then the story is the interpretation of the emotion of the other people, meaning your ex, my ex, Richard's ex, and just dropping it. Because that's what we end up doing is our brain starts playing games with like, they did it to us for so-and-so reasons. And then we can't drop the pain. Yeah. 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 All right, Gary. Gonna let you go. Thanks for hopping on, man. Thanks, brother. Nice meeting you. Um, got one last super chat here. I want to hit before we wrap up. He's asking about hit and lists. Do you know what hit and lists? Sure. Is? I'm guessing hit is high intensity training. Yeah, yeah. So lists. So so hit is uh, high intensity interval training, and lists is low intensity um, steady state. Um, so it's a great question, and I'll be happy to expound on it tomorrow. Um, so it depends on your energy system, right? So I talk a lot about metabolic flexibility when I talk about fasting and 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 get into the nutrition aspect mm-hmm. of things. If you are a bodybuilder and you are eating a caloric surplus of carbs, protein, fat, whatever, you can absolutely do high intensity uh, interval training because your body is being fueled by all three of the different energy systems. You've got like aerobic pyruvate, you've got lactic acid, and then you've got the slow intensity um, or low intensity, whatever. I can't think of that energy system, but there's three of them. So you can do that. But when you're fasting and you're attempting to go for fat loss, Unless you're really smart and you're doing your cardio like right after you've eaten, you should not do high intensity um, interval training because your body will burn muscle for fuel, right? You want to rely on your body burning free fatty acids. Sometimes people will call them ketones depending on how low your carbohydrates are as the primary substrate when you're, when you're doing the cardio. So it's a really good question. And a lot of people get this wrong. You do not want to be, if you're fasting or you're attempting for maximum fat loss to really actually do high intensity interval training because your body will burn, um, sugar, which is again, glucose or muscle glycogen, the stored form while it's training, which will lead to breakdown in muscle, you will have catabolism and you don't want that. So you want to do more lists, which is, you know, kind of the moderate intensity to low intensity, steady, steady state, because you'll burn fat tissue as the energy substrate while you're doing the cardio. But it is a great question, by the way. So for stuff like that, um, guys that are watching right now live that are in my community, we're doing this kind of just exclusive Q and a for you guys tomorrow to get in some deep shit. So 
Um, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Jay, thank you for sharing your um, playing to win story. That's some crazy stuff there. I wasn't expecting to get that much in the way of experiences, but that was just great. Thanks, brother. I appreciate um, you, man. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, thanks, everybody, tonight for watching. Smash the like button. If there's somebody that needs to see this broadcast, please share it with them. Leave Definitely. a comment below if there's somebody that you'd like to see me have on for a future episode. Um, and the links to everything are pinned in the top comment again. So if you want to get access to uh, Jay's books and all of his content and all that stuff, it's all there, including the links to the 1% community if you guys want to get behind the paywall and get into the really good stuff. All right. See you guys later. Have an awesome night. Thanks, Jay. Richard, that was amazing, man. I appreciate you. Talk Thanks, soon. Brother. See you Take soon. care, bye.